what's up and welcome back to episode three of drop the mitts hockey podcast brought to you in partnership with the black and gold productions llc today's a good episode i know we're in the dog days of the summer right now dog days of hockey off season but as always i'm here alongside my host chris davis and chris i know you were at development camp for the bruins all last week you got some awesome content for the account uh you got some awesome interviews with some big guys down there and just tell me about that time you had down there. How was your week? Yeah, it was unbelievable experience. Um, yeah. Sit there and watch hockey all week. It just was um, unbelievable experience. The people that I met, just the amount of knowledge that was in, whether it was the media members and just talking to the players, um, the humbleness of the players and just how excited they were to be there. It was just, it was really, uh, I'm really excited about this young group coming up was able just saw a lot of good hockey and real like I said really excited about this young group. Yeah, man. It's like people people always talk how the Bruins have a, you know, a really low ranked prospect system, but if you look at the younger players that the Boston Bruins have, Matthew Potra, Brett Harrison, Mason Lowry, Fabian Lysel, I am sure I'm forgetting a couple uh Georgi Merkulov. They got a good system. They got these young guys who I think have a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder because of how low the system is ranked too. Like they, they're not bad players at all. They're all future NHLers. Yeah, I think so. Not to take anything away from these rankings. Obviously those rankings are made by a lot of knowledgeable insiders, um, scouts, etc. And I, I just think they're more, it's more about the eye test for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And there were a lot of players, especially during the scrimmage. One thing I'll say is it's very hard to evaluate players solely based on practice setting. Um, m- most of the time you're just seeing edge work done, one-on-ones, two-on-ones. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until Friday where, when the scrimmage started, you started seeing a little more aggressiveness. Most notably, I saw Lysel. Fabian Lysel and uh, Jackson Edward go at it pretty good. Yep. And like I said, it just, it, they, it turned on that competitive. And I had asked Matt, uh, Matthew Patois what it was like having that practice setting all week. And then finally being able to trans uh, translate that into scrimmage. And he just, you go back and watch the interview. He was really excited about it. It kicks up the speed a little bit and that's when you were really able to evaluate these players. And I, I saw a lot of really good things from, from a lot of the kids out there. Yeah, dude. And you, you mentioned Jackson Edward and Fabian Lysel kind of going at it a little talk about two guys who have a chip on their shoulder. I know, I know Lysel plays with a little bit of an edge to his game and that's something that not a lot of people notice um, or maybe not notice, but they haven't realized that yet. He, he does play with a little, he's a little agitator out there sometimes, but he's got that skill too. And Jackson Edward, I mean, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was a seventh-round pick um, in 2022. And last year at development camp, he he stood out too. I, I, I had the opportunity to go last year. Um, and as a first-year player at development camp for Jackson Edward, he stood out a lot. And he's another guy too who, who plays with that physicality. He's that – kind of stay-at-home defenseman who can bruise people up, clear the net, and he's another one of those guys who might sneak up that prospect ranking and find his way in a Boston Bruin jersey somewhere in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. He's actually one of the ones that stood out to me. Yeah. He, just watching his skating, um, and, and where I saw him most was him being like a stay-at-home defender. Yep. Um, obviously, he's a big boy at 6'3", 188. I think he has room to put some weight on, obviously. Um, and you had mentioned, yeah, he was a seventh-round pick, 200 you know, two hundred o- overall. He was one of the ones that really stood out to me. Um, even just on the two-on-one drills, phenomenal edge work as well. I, I, I was really impressed by it. And he's one, like you said, that I think is going to climb up these rankings. Um, you know, the more experience I know he's going to be, I, I don't quote me on this. I believe he's going back to London to play for the Knights. I believe so. I could be completely wrong. Um, I think he would benefit for another, um, from another year in junior. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he had a little bite to his game too. I mean, you mentioned Lysel plays, 
plays on that edge, but he he fought right back, and it was good to see that competitive nature finally. Um, we've been out of hockey for a little while now since the Bruins season, <laughs> but so it was good to see a little bit of chippiness. But yeah, he I was really impressed by him. He I actually have him on my list as as one of the ones that really impressed me. Yeah, you mentioned it's been a while since live hockey, dude. So like, just getting that itch kind of in That's going good. down I, to I, Dev Camp, dude, seeing I it live. Getting, I was getting all amped up. I thought we were gonna. I thought they were going to drop the mitts. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shameless so, plug. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, dude. And a lot of the um, – obviously, it, it goes without saying, but the Bruins are lacking center depth right now. And and it's, it goes to show with, with their free agent signings. I mean, they just signed Jesper Bockfist. Um, they have these guys coming up. So the guys in dev camp, Brett Harrison, um, Matthew Potra, how did they look to you? What, what stood out in their game? I think the biggest thing for me in watching Patois first off was his creativity, just the way that he sees the ice. It looks like when he was out there, it looked like he was two, three steps ahead of everyone. Um, He had amazing chemistry with Cole Spicer watching them throughout, you know, throughout the week, they just had this chemistry. And once the scrimmage started, you really noticed that they just kind of knew where, where each other were going to be. And just the way that he saw the ice, very responsible in his own zone as well. I, I was really impressed. And, you know, I got torched on Twitter for saying that <laughs> he could be I, – I very well could see him getting some minutes in Boston this year. I don't yeah. think it's completely unrealistic. I know people want to see him develop and whatever. I just really think that he could benefit if Patrice Bergeron comes back some mentorship from him. I mean, like I said, the one thing I noticed was how responsible he was in his own zone and then just his creativity and the way he saw the ice. Going to Brett Harrison, I was really impressed by his shot. He had a fucking cannon, dude. Yeah. And it just – I'm really high on, on Brett too. I think that he well, – I'm really thinking this year he's going to take his, his game to the next level. Um, I think he's going to – score a lot of goals this year like so in in terms of brett harrison right so our friend dom tiano he he mentioned that the one problem that he has with harrison is his lack of physicality like he, he doesn't he tends to shy away from hits shy away from battles in the corner um did you see any of that down at I, dev camp i don't disagree with dom i i actually think he he pretty much hit the nail on the head on that one it was hard. It's hard to to gauge physicality at a development camp. It wasn't something that stood out to me that he was physical. Um, I'd have to see more in game stuff this year to, uh, to right. actually judge. But yeah, to go back to Dom's point, no, I completely agree. The way in the way that Brett Harrison played last year, yeah, he definitely lacked that physicality in his game. I'm hoping this year. I mean, he it looks like he's put on some weight and he, he's gotten bigger. Um, it's one thing I'd like to see out of, out of Brett this year is just a little more physical in front of the net. Um, and I think he can, I'm hoping he really steps up in that aspect. Yeah. Well, the thing is with him too, he's not a small guy. He's, he's he's six, two, six, two. And like you said, he, it looked like he put on a little bit of weight. Like right now, um, elite prospects has his weight at 185. So six two, 185. That's not a small man. That's a big man who should be going into the corners, should be battling, should be fighting in front of the net for, you know, positioning and space and really throwing his weight around a little bit. So if he can incorporate that into his game a little bit more, because like you said, he's got a cannon of a shot. All the offensive instincts are there. Defensively, he's good. It's just that physical aspect. When when you translate your game from juniors or from the AHL to the NHL, you need to have at least some brand of physicality to your game. You have to. Otherwise, you won't survive. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One thing that people got to remember, though, are these kids are 20 years old. Right, right. They, you know, and, and I think – People still have to remember that they're still coming into their own. There's still, you know, there's still time for development. I I see no reason why Brett Harrison doesn't become this physical power for it. I think he has all the tools to do it. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just, I. It, it's one thing. It's easy to forget that they are 20 years old. 
They are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Kids. Yes, yeah, literal ch- like children. Yeah, <laughs> there's still plenty of time, and I, I, I loved everything I saw out of Brett Harrison, and I think he takes that next that next step. I think he makes the jump this year, and I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. Yeah, he's he's playing in Providence this year, correct? He's not going back to juniors. Correct. Yeah. See, so Providence is going to be keep your eye on Providence. There's a lot of guys. Lowry. We haven't even talked about Lowry yet, but. I know there's been discussions about him maybe jumping into the top six for the Bruins, maybe not. Um, obviously, he was he looked good in Dev Camp, correct? He he was moving along, he was skating with the guys, keeping up. Um, I don't know if he has a role with the Bruins yet, or if he's going to go down to Providence and develop. And if he explodes, then potentially come up to Boston. I for sure think he starts the year. There's actually no doubt in my mind that he doesn't start the year in Providence, and I think yeah. it's the right move for him they just signed him last year at ohio state and i think he needs to get reps i think he needs to get ice time at the pro level in the ahl before he makes any kind of moves to the nhl with that being said again we're i just was evaluating edge work (laughs) edge work and shooting and two-on-one so I obviously loved everything that I saw out of the scrimmage. I mean, he was one that really stood out the way that he can single-handedly break the puck out of the zone on his own, Yeah, his skating ability. He's just a smooth skater, um, just great vision. I, but like I said, I, I still think that he starts the year in Providence. I would not be shocked if he – we talked about Pat, Patois as well. I wouldn't be shocked if Lowell Rye saw some reps at the NHL level. For me, I'd love to see him paired with a defenseman like Brandon Carlo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really where I see him thriving. Um, obviously, with Carlo being a primarily a stay-at-home defenseman, it kind of would give Lowry that freedom to break the puck out, have that offensive mind, um, and still have Carlo to kind of back him up. I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? I don't. I think it speaks volumes in terms of that that the Bruins haven't moved, um, you know, another defenseman. I, I think their plan is to roll Lowry in Providence and get him those reps and get those pro level reps, like you were just saying. Let him let his game develop. Let him thrive in Providence and kind of gain his confidence too. You know, if he goes down to Providence and he starts lighting it up, then that is phenomenal news for the Bruins and, and the organization itself. Because not only is this kid succeeding in his first year in the AHL, but he's also gaining that confidence of, okay, I'm ready to take this next step. I'm, I'm proving to myself and, and everybody in this organization right now that I can do it at this level. And, and you know, what, when that opportunity comes for me to play in Boston, that I already have that confidence with me and I can take that into the game. He's, he's not, you know starting game one in Boston, he's got nerves. Um, you know, maybe he's a little shaky, but if he has that confidence, you know, with him coming from Providence, then that's only going to benefit his game even more. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, couple uh, there, not to, not to change the subject completely, but there are also a couple other defensemen, um, that were that participated in development camp that also caught my eye. Um, first one being Ty Gallagher, man. He mm-hmm. from BU, just the way that he saw the ice and just his skating, um, phenomenal, phenomenal hands. I mean, I know he's going back to BU this year. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got the chance to talk to him just how humble of a kid he is. Um, just how good of a leader he was. He talked about his time playing with Lane Hudson. Yep. Obviously, we know Lane Hudson is dynamic, electric player and had nothing but good things to say to him, about him, rather. Um, and it just kind of speaks volumes to to Ty's leadership. And I think he's another one that that's going to be climbing up the uh, Bruins prospect draft um, ranking board. Yeah. He was one that really stood out to me. It's just, like I said, his skating – the way that he saw the ice, he had phenomenal hands on the three-on-three drills on Friday. Every every single time he was out there, he was he was making plays, just seeing the ice so well, and it just looked like he was another one where he was two and three steps ahead 
Um, yeah. Another kid, not to just kind of. Well, well, speaking. So Ty Gallagher too, like, like uh, Jackson Edwards, another seventh round pick from the Bruins as well. He, he yeah. was 2021 uh, seventh round 217 overall. I mean, that's great value in, you know, that late of the round to, to yeah. pick up a guy like Ty. Yeah. And, and honestly, with him playing at BU and with how loaded Hockey East is going to be this year, I'm really excited for him to get those reps and to play against this type of competition. Yeah. I mean, you know, we know BC is going to be absolutely loaded this year. And I just think it's going to be really good for him to take that next step to get those reps. And, Again, he's he's another one that he's climbing up my rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, and you're playing you're playing you know, um, around guys like, I mean, their team like you said they're loaded. Um, Jack Dempsey, um, Trevor Kuntar, Carter Gauthier, Oscar Yelvik. I mean, Andre Gasol. Th- their team is loaded, and and just having a guy like Ty Gallagher be surrounded by talent like that is only going to help his development. And like you said, Hockey East is loaded this year. I can't wait to watch all these college games. I cannot wait. Yeah, and you you brought up Trevor Kuntar. He was injured during the during the week. I believe he's going to be playing for Providence. I think he signed a contract at the end of last season. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. But even so, you talk about that BC team. They just got three first-round picks that are coming in as a line. Will Smith, who got drafted by the Sharks. Gabe Perot, who's going to the Rangers. And then Ryan Leonard, who went eighth overall to Washington. That's it. They're all going into BC. It's going to be dynamic for Hockey East and for college hockey as a whole to see those kids. It's just I'm so excited for the season, and it's going to be unreal. Yeah, it's going to be – if if, – you know, if you're a hockey fan listening to this and you haven't really been keeping up with college hockey, NCAA hockey, whatever, this is the year to do it. This hockey East is loaded. Yeah, you're you're seeing more and more kids deciding to go back to school. Most notably, yep. um, just to name a few names, like Cutter Gauthier, fifth overall last year, yep. uh, to Philly, he decided that he was going to go back to school and and gun for another national or gun for a national championship, and then you also. Logan Cooley, yep. third overall to Arizona. He decided he wanted to go back to school, and good for him. I mean, it, it, it's going to be an unreal year for college hockey, and it's going to be entertaining games night in and night out. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pumped. I can't wait. Let's see. What <laughs> so, um, <laughs> trying to think. Yeah, we're, we're, still, we're still starstruck over our interview. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> dude. Should we mention who we have on? Yeah, we can. I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here. I, I think I think it's a pretty good place to end. I mean, um, obviously, I have all my interviews up on my on my Twitter, so you can go check those out. We got right. We have Riley Duran, Matthew Patois, Ethan Ritchie, and Cole Spicer, as well as Mason Lowry. So those are all really good interviews that you guys should go check those out. Yeah, that's on the um, that's on the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast Twitter. So definitely go look at those, check them out. Yeah, and so coming up, we're we're really excited to bring you uh, Billy Jaffe interview with him. Just an unreal guy, super humble. Um, he's the Nesson Studio Analyst for the Boston Bruins pregame, postgame, and intermission coverage, um, as well as the Studio Analyst for NHL Network and the host of Morning Brew with Bruins legend Andrew Raycroft. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to bring you guys this and, uh, hope you enjoy. Thank you guys. With us, we have a really special guest, Nesson Studio Analyst for the Bruins pregame, postgame, and intermission coverage, as well as Studio Analyst for NHL Network, and also the host of Morning Brew Podcast with Andrew Raycroft, Billy Jaffe. Billy, how are you doing, man? I'm well. 
Thank you for the official introduction. It's unbelievable. Yes. Uh, what's going to happen when fighting isn't happening in hockey anymore? Are you going to be – they used to drop the Mitts podcast? What are you going to do? Well, we're, hoping, we're hoping that never goes away. And, yeah, we'll, we'll be out of business at that point. You'll have to get a little more creative with it. <laughs> they used to drop the Mitts. That's what we right. do. How are you guys doing? What's happening? Doing well. Doing well. Really happy to have you. Um, I think this sure. is going to be an awesome episode. Um got a lot to get to i know first and foremost um i want to give you a huge thanks um as well as ryan corbin and andrew um for being such huge advocates of the uh, stop soldier suicide um fundraiser that i ran you guys were awesome in spreading you know spreading the information we raised almost six thousand dollars and like i said i just want to give you guys a huge shout out and, and tell you how grateful i am for all you guys yeah Hey, our, our pleasure. And that really is RC, who's the one who brought it to our attention. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of RC's. And Ryan, uh, if people don't know, Ryan is the producer of, of Morning Brew. Um, and, awesome. uh, you know, he's he's a, uh, he's a battle veteran. He, he understands, you know, nothing I could ever understand, you know. And, and so I've also been involved over the years with a group called Skate for the 22 that used hockey as a way to re or acclimate, reacclimate uh, veterans into normal, you know, society and by the use of hockey. And uh, lately they haven't been doing much on the ice, but they had a five, six, seven year run guys, you know, where they were really, um, um, really active. And I thought very important. I got to know Bobby, the gentleman's name was Bobby Colton there got to know him well and I got very involved with the group. So it means a lot to me. It's what very little I can do. And uh, having, you know, been involved in hockey just about my entire life, if there's any good that can come out of it besides, I guess, feeding my family. Now it's, if I can help somebody else, like we can help somebody else like that. I'm, I'm very happy doing it. So our pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Um, I know we have a bunch of questions to get to. Um, Oh boy! I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh Mike, boy! Let I know Mike the... a couple good ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to dive into that. Oh boy! All right, let me let me uh, get the the back situated, and I'll start leaning back here. All right. I, actually, I, I wanted to ask you how how your off season's going. Um, I know you had mentioned you just had. Uh, yeah, I said my hip replaced, um, and it's going awesome in that regard. That needed it replaced. Um, my offseason didn't begin until after game five of the Stanley Cup. Uh, I worked through the cup. Unfortunately, no Bruins involvement. But uh, fortunately, from a business perspective, I'm, I get set up with NHL Network and a company by the name of Sports USA, Chris and Mike. That, uh, Sports USA is the national radio home for the NHL. And so I end up working for both entities through the Stanley Cup. It keeps me real busy. So I, I get mid-June, I get uh, back home. I knew that I had about 10 days before my surgery. I just, I, I couldn't wait. My, my, my hip had been excruciating pain for a while. And then I had hip surgery June 30th. And so we're sitting and recording this on uh, almost two weeks to the day. Tomorrow will be two weeks. That's been my off season, really, guys. I, I mean, it's, I've got, I gotta be honest, I've been bored as shit since I had the surgery. <laughs> Um, I've read the internet a few times. I should be smart and open a real book. That would be something different, but, um, I'm just trying to get better rehabbing, hanging out, spending time with, uh, my Cooper, the, the wonder dog. And, uh, it's about it guys. But, but you know what? I mean, listen, I always have a good time after the season, the retrospective of the season, the, the satisfaction of working a full season is, is always there. Um, I don't know where we want to go with this, but the the disappointment of the Bruins' demise was was real. It's and I'm still bummed for them I, and and for everybody and for everybody in that regard. Yeah, I think with expectations being so high, um, you know how crazy of a season it was, um, how much they dominated it. Just the way that it ended is just you can't even put it into words. And now we're looking at this roster for this upcoming season, and it's nowhere near what we were working with last year. So. Um, what are your expectations going into this upcoming season and where do you see this team finishing? Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> um, my expectations are as they make the playoffs. My expectations are that um, if they don't put themselves into a playoff position, that they'll sell off any assets that they can. 
Uh, but I do think that they are good enough defensively in goal and even up front. Let's see what happens with Patrice. I still have no feel on that. None. Yeah. Um, um, that I think that they can they can get in. Is that good enough? For a lot of people, no. But for them, that might be what they're satisfied with. And they might be saying, look, first of all, we can make deals at the deadline. Second of all, we can make some big deals at the deadline because we've got big cap space coming next year. So maybe we can make certain moves that will allow us to bring in other players and extend them, et cetera. I mean, we're playing a who knows, could, would, should type game. But my expectation sitting here with you right now on this date, July 13th, is that they make the playoffs. After that, I don't know. But you know what? We had such high expectations that they win the whole damn thing last year, and they didn't. Right. It really make doesn't it make you question everything that you think you know as a hockey analyst or as a hockey fan? I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. It, it really it really reinforces the thought that the um, that any team can win. All you got all you have to do is get into one of those eight playoff spots. And Except then, Vegas was better. Vegas correct. was a great team. Yeah. Don't you guys agree? hundred percent. Coached by a great, great coach as well. Yeah. <laughs> right coach for the right time for the right team. That's what that was right there. Thrilled for Bruce, for Bruce, thrilled for him. And because uh, he did the job, but he did a beautiful job with the Bruins. And in particular, early on too, he held up to elevate them to levels that many people didn't think that they would too. So good for him. But anyway, sorry to interrupt, but yes, you're right. Get, get, get in, see what can happen. Um, but you know, NHL playoffs are funny. They're, they're a funny, a funny beast. I know. So yeah, I know absolutely. you covered a lot of the uh, of the Vegas, like you said, the the Stanley Cup run. What was that environment like? Um, you know, I know fairly new franchise. Um, what was that environment like? What were the fans like? Um, obviously, from the TV, they it just looked like an absolutely electric building. Um, what was it yeah. like being there and covering? It that? was. It was great. Um, it was an electric building. I'm an old fart, so I'm going to get. I won't won't yell at you to get off my lawn, but I'll tell you this. All buildings now are pumping artificial, you know, between the noise and the music and everything. It's these high, high, high decibel levels. The fans were awesome. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But then you do wonder at times. I mean, literally, the PA guy is yelling at you. I mean, yelling at you. Like, you know, like, you know, would yell at one of my kids. I kid, kind of. Um, But I mean, you know, just just yelling at and and and. It was still an awesome atmosphere, and the fans couldn't have been more. I mean, these are mostly locals out there, or people that adopted the, the Golden Knights as their favorite. And so I look at these are legit fans, fellas, right? Right. And that was wonderful. The passion was was real. I mean, I went to practice one day up in their practice facility in Summerlin, and they had to cut it off because there were already six, seven, eight, whatever it was. I don't remember what they were allowed allowed in the build. That was it. They were. So it's it's awesome, legit. With that said, you could feel that it was a you know there, there was some signs for them in town. There was a vibe for them, but it's Vegas for Christ's sake. You're never gonna feel like it's the greatest, biggest, only thing in the world. Um, kind of felt that way down in Florida too. I will give their fans credit, and the, the town of Fort Lauderdale had some more signs up and stuff. But I don't know. There's something about a certain type of city where, you know, you're in Boston, you're in Chicago, you're, you know, we were in Colorado last year and they had signs all around the arena and everything. And they, they had it going, but long way of saying this, it was legit, Chris, it was, I'm not taking, please, I'm not taking a thing away from them, but you know, you're in this little Vegas, you're every, everything about Vegas is one little niche. You know, it's one little, you go here to this hotel for this, you go to this hotel, you go to the, my point is there's, you can find whatever you want in Vegas, right? They had a little thing going on called the Stanley Cup while everything else was going on, too. <laughs> but it's Vegas, so it's fun. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, even, even without the Stanley Cup being there, it's just an always buzzing season. Different. Uh, always buzzing there. And um, I think I can remember from the 2011 run with the Bruins, it just it was an energy in the city that there was nothing like it. It was just so electric. And, yeah, I – I don't really know where I'm going with this, but yeah, it's just different. And listen, it, yeah. it they are they are great fans, and they treated it with respect. Put it that way. I didn't, you know, um, these are I, most of the fans I felt in the building had been there since day one. That's awesome, right? Yeah. Only six years, but that's awesome. That's legit. And so you really appreciate that. But the overall sense of it, you know, you could have 
you could go to a lot of different places, you know, the, the five or six days that we were there and, and probably could have asked 10 people. And I'm going to guess six or seven didn't know that the cup was going up. That's not, again, a negative. It's just reality there. You have people coming from all over the world for that. Now, again, you go to certain other cities. Uh, Pittsburgh comes to mind. Obviously, I already said Chicago. We already know Boston. There's a bunch of cities where if you went during the cup, as you said, the buzz would tell you that it's just that's the cup. Right. Yeah. So, Billy, I actually – so you've been with Nesson for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of different eras of Bruins hockey. Um, obviously, the 2011 season, the early teens, 2013 with the uh, team that lost to Chicago. But I was just curious if you have any favorite memories from Nesson, from working with Nesson, you know, with Dale Arnold, now with Andrew Raycroft, okay. if you have yeah. a memory that really sticks out to you. Um. I love working with those guys. I, I have. I've really, and I worked so much with, you mentioned Dale, Razor, Barry. Those are the yeah. main guys. And now Sophia's involved. But in particular, those other guys for so long. Um, dear friends and people that I trust, which is awesome. So kind of a real corny answer. But the memory of knowing that these guys are dear friends of mine has been uh, the best part of this, you know, I mean, it, it has, and that's, uh, the, the way that they accepted me, the way that the fans have accepted me, uh, was since the 2011 season, I actually didn't work with Nesson for the 10, 11 season, but I did cover the cup all the way through 10, 11, the 11 season. Cause I was with the NHL network all the way through. And I, I did everything for the Bruins. In fact, I think I did at least two, if not three rounds specifically for the Bruins. So, but um, specific memories, I mean, it's hard not to, for me, I mean, 2013 was great. I was just finishing my second full season. I hadn't moved here yet full-time either. I was still traveling all over doing games. I was still living in New York or my family was, I was all over. So it was, a, it was a great memory. I, I know they lost the whole Chicago thing stands out in my mind still, but 19... <laughs> Even more so because we had lived here then full-time six years. We were really established in – my family was established in community and everything. And, and um, I mean, just some of those games leading up to the final. Of course, game seven is is awful memory. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's not fun um, to look back on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so from, from moments, I would, I, I would say from personal uh, moments – just doing, I mean, honestly, that we, we laugh our asses off an awful lot. And I know it's a bad answer, Mike, I'm sorry, but like <laughs> any one game I don't have, but there's been so many games where you leave there having laughed so much that you're, you're saying to yourself, this is fun work. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I love thinking of some of the pasta games. I like thinking of, you know, multiple goals, uh, the, 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 the Bergeron line when it was, when it was Bergeron, Pasternak and Marchand flying around, uh, like nobody was defending them, like it was practice, great memories. Um, I'm going to think of one. I can tell you one of the real highlights of my career as a broadcaster involved in Bruins. It was 2011. I got an opportunity. Was it, yeah, it was 11. Um, I've had a few opportunities via the NHL network. I had a long sit down with Bobby or I had met Bobby a little, but didn't know him. And now that I was part of the Bruins process or program, so to speak, you know, um, Bobby was unbelievable and it was supposed to be a 10 or 15 minute sit down and he's kept going and we went for 25 minutes and it was kid in the candy store. Honest to God. It was, it was unbelievable. And, and, and it was a moment of like, I, I'm rarely like this, like where I just had to sit there and say, you know, that was unbelievable. Like I was a little kid again. It transformed me to that. Um, and, and he did that. Um, and I've had another great, uh, you know, I've gotten to sit down and chat both on and off the air with Raymond, with Ray Bork an awful lot. We did a big, big sit down with him at his restaurant, Tresca in 2019. Those are wonderful moments because you get to spend more time with guys like that. And those are guys that, you know, I knew a little bit of Bobby Orr as a player because I was just young enough, but I knew a ton about Ray Bork. And, you know, that was huge for me. And, and, and I, and, and it's important to me that I got to know those guys being now part of the Bruins uh, broadcast. Yeah, sitting down with those guys, it's it's. I mean, I can't I can't speak for myself because I've never been a part of that. But it's almost like a moment where you have to pinch yourself and say, "Am I really doing this right now? Am I really yeah. sitting next to Bobby Orr and, and just you know having a nice conversation with him?" 
Yeah, it's great. It was it was real. And then we've become very friendly over the years, meaning, you know, when we see each other and we've had other in, in, um, opportunities to interview him. I did he, for his book tour and we sat down and we ended up talking because I'm very involved in youth hockey in the New England area. And we ended up talking youth hockey for 40 minutes, you know, just bullshit. Right. Yeah. So anyways, those, those are the moments. I mean, the games, quite honestly, I don't remember a lot of the games, but those are the moments that I remember. Yeah. Now, was there, talking about the moment meeting, Bob, you are, was there like another certain moment um, that really jump started your career where you knew like this was going to, this was it for you um, that you were getting big and more popular in the media. Was there a certain moment that happened? Was it that Bobby Orr moment or was there another moment where? Um, well, it's a great question. Um, I've never even thought like, uh, first of all, I, I, I'm saying this honestly and I'm not, I'm, I've never, I don't think I'm that big in the industry. I, I don't like, there's so many people that are, I'm not a grass is greener guy, but I'm a, I mean, I'm definitely not a thoroughbred using a horse analogy. You know, <laughs> though, I don't think I'm a donkey, although some would argue that I maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a Clydesdale, you know, like, they, you know, they have respect, they work hard, right. but they're workhorses, like literally, you know, they're workhorses. I mean, maybe I am a donkey come to think of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm a worker. Um, I, I have to be. So I've never felt that I'm, uh, I don't have a, a five-year or, you know, a two-year NHL background that I can say that I can fall back on. I just don't. So I do have a chip on my shoulder. I have, and I always will, Chris, as long as I'm doing this. Um, I have to work harder than the next guy, next person, because if I don't, truth is, I don't know if, you know, if I've done enough, the people are just going to keep me, you know, it's, I, I hope they do, but my work ethic and hopefully enough people enjoy me on the air that they're going to remain, you know, that's the way I feel of it. Now, have there been moments? Sure. Um, uh, opportunities to work big events is always something, uh, winter classics, you know, Stanley cups, um, I started working Stanley Cups for, it used to be Westwood one, so the national radio again. I started getting those opportunities, uh, I'm going to say going back to 16 and 17 and then start doing a lot of of, of them. Um, I've worked, I, I mean, I started working playoffs regularly. I don't know you guys old enough to remember Versus before it became, after oh, it was yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I, I think maybe when... I'd been with Atlanta and then the Islanders organization. And then I went national and I did a lot for verses and I did a lot for NHL network. And maybe Chris at that time, when they started using me regularly on national stuff in the playoffs, I would work at least through two rounds. And then I started working through three rounds. And then I started, Hey, you know what? Can you do the, the Stanley cup can be part of our crew for the Stanley cup. And then I'm like, okay. Did that? Did I sit there and say I made it? No, I, I can't. I wish I could. I can't. I can't feel that way. But I think those are the things that indicate that you're doing the right stuff. I think that's what, I think that's what fans love so much about you is, you know, just how humble you are. And I think a lot of them realize how much work it takes and how much work you have to put in um, as far as statistics go, like what you need to know to be prepared and to be successful. Um, I think that's why fans can appreciate how humble you are and how, you know, how good of a job. You I, I hope they do. I mean, I know that I have a way about me. It's, I, 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 I honestly, I'm saying not if you're, you know, it's like wine. You might like it one way, might right. be, you like it another way. And you think it's the greatest wine. And Mike is like, yeah, it's okay. Or no, it sucks. Right. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. just opinion. Right. And, right. and, and, and you can, I, I also call it the mushroom effect. I hate mushrooms. I do. I hate them. You guys, like, some people love them. Like they're the greatest fungus in the world. Like I, I, I can't stand. <laughs> so it's just an opinion, but I guarantee you there are a lot of people that like me and I guarantee you there's a lot of people that don't like me. I hope there's more that do than don't. Um, I know that I, I, I was talking to somebody today just about that. They were asking me some questions and um, I said, look, you, you I, I broadcast hockey for a living for the most part. That's my main, my main gig. If I'm not having fun doing it, legit fun, and I'm not showing that, then shame on me. And if I'm not prepared, then shame on me. So that's all I want to come across on the air that I like it or love it 
that I'm prepared, that I've respected the opportunity to be on TV. Now, whether you like the way I talk, whether you like the information I bring, whether you think I'm full of shit or I know it, I can't control that. Again, I, but all I can control is what I brought to my preparation and then my presentation to the air. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you also mentioned your time in Atlanta um, with, with discussions of maybe another expansion team coming to the NHL. What was the atmosphere like in Atlanta when they first got there, their first few years? And do you see it working again or should the, should the NHL try to go a different route? Um, it would be very different. I'll work backwards. It will be very different if they go back to Atlanta than it was the, free, the, the first two times. The first two times the um, arena is in the city, downtown, um, and it wasn't it, – actually, the second arena, the first arena was just the old Omni. The second arena, they basically completely gutted the Omni and redid it, Phillips Arena. I thought it was pretty freaking cool, quite honestly. The atmosphere was very good. However, at that time, uh, they never had great ownership in Atlanta. The first owner being Turner Sports, pretty AOL Time Warner, whatever the name was in, was pretty good. But they did it, and then they moved on from it kind of quickly. And after that, the ownership was never great. And everything starts at the top. For any organization, whether a company you guys work for, a pro sports team, whatever, everything starts at the top. The classic example I always use is, does anybody remember what the Tampa Bay Lightning were before before Mr. Vinnick, Jeff Vinnick, owned the team? They were in a shit show because they had uh, Coolis and Barry that owned the team. And remember, they couldn't, they, they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. They were a mess. Ownership change, he takes it over, and holy smokes, they become one of the great premier franchises, not just in the league, but in sports. Okay. Yes. So, yes. so, so, so that's so Atlanta never really had it with good ownership, especially the second time around, especially after they sold to this one group and called the Spirit. And so, if you take all that out, Mike, and you move the team up to what's called the perimeter, an area that is more suburban where more people live, where more people are willing to travel to, and more hockey people are. Do you have an opportunity? Yes. Do you have a great opportunity? I don't know. That I don't know yet. Um, you know, there's people involved that are hockey people. And let, let's see, it's a major market with regard to size, and it has some money in it. It does. You know, I. <laughs> does that guarantee success? No, but I think it gives it a better success than certain other markets. Yeah. I, Chris, you, did, Chris, did you have another question? Sorry. No, uh, not particularly about Atlanta. Um, I was stationed. It was fun, but by the way, it was a lot of, sp- it was a lot of uh, what you call. A lot of people went there just to party. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that, though, too. But everybody was there, and we never had an opportunity, I say we, when I was part of the franchise, to really establish local fanaticism. Right. Everybody was a fan of somebody else. And this is what Vegas has done so well. They have made it the Vegas team. Right. Dallas right. made it the Dallas Stars team by building youth hockey arenas around the market. Atlanta never did. And therefore, that was that was it. So sorry, Chris. Go on. I you know, I, I wouldn't hate the fact if Atlanta were to try again. Um, I was stationed in Montgomery, Alabama, and I know every time we got a chance to go out or whatever, it was always in Atlanta. And like you said, Billy, it's just a huge party city, like similar to Vegas. Um, I don't think as crazy, but I mean, nowhere near as crazy. No, yeah, it, but you know, similar in the aspect of like, it's still, they party there. Yeah. Um, and I, and I just can't see them adopting completely the way that Vegas has a hockey team in Atlanta. I just can't see them doing that, especially with, you know, basketball, you got the Atlanta Falcons. I, I just can't see hockey. Well, the biggest challenge here is college and high school football. Right. That's really, Chris, that's the biggest. The Falcons, eh, you could probably go there on an 8-8 eight and eight season and get tickets walking up, you know, 10 minutes before <laughs> kickoff and be fine. The, the same SEC thing with the Hawks. Their pro. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the SEC is their professional football. You SEC, know, then yeah. ACC, then Friday night high school. That's, right. that. you know, that's what it is. Absolutely. Um. So transitioning a little bit, Billy, um, I wanted to ask you, 
Um, who are your biggest winners of this offseason um, as far as teams go, whether it's through the draft, um, free agency signings? Who uh, who are some teams that that really um, stand out to you? That You're making that are- me work now. I'm in off season mode. Um, I was still on drugs when free agency happened the other night. (laughs) I was on twice a day painkillers. I don't remember much of those days. Um, Let's see. Let me go. uh, I'm curious to see how Buffalo does. I know they feel to be on the precipice of of goodness. I wouldn't say greatness, but goodness. I still don't know if I would call them a for sure playoff team, but you know, adding, adding guy like Connor Clifton, adding an Eric Johnson to already a, a power and Erasmus Darlene and pretty good. Right. I mean, it, it just helps stabilize. Does it make them awesome? Eh. I mean, Detroit, geez, they've made a lot of moves, you know, just bringing in to bring it. Do I still look at that lineup though, Chris and say for sure playoff team? No, but definitely on the rise playoff team no doubt about it um i mean tampa and florida have both done okay stuff uh i like i i, I you know carolina's been active um you know they're 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 trying you know don waddell former atlanta thrasher gm by the way there's a connection there um and are they done yet who knows are they gonna get I mean, I haven't checked today. Is Tarasenko signed anywhere yet? Has he, has he done anything? Not okay. As of before this podcast, anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I checked this. I checked this morning, and about a few hours ago, I hadn't. I mean, just in, in general. Um, uh, I'm really. I'm kind of blanking right now. I'm trying to go over other. I'm trying to go in teams out west. I mean, you know, Chicago, Chicago with Bedard, and then they've added Felino. Couldn't be happier for a guy like Nick to get a nice ticket for another year and Corey Perry, but they're going to be still pretty bad when it's all said and done, but they'll, they'll they'll be better. I'm, I guess the team maybe most relevant to our conversation is Toronto. I I mean, you know, they, they ended up getting Bertuzzi almost on a, I'm going to say a fluke, almost a fluke because I think, I don't think they were expecting to getting him guys. I don't No no freaking way, but they end up getting him. And so good for them. Um, they lose bunting. They, they add Bertuzzi. Uh, they bring in Reeves. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Uh, good regular season pickup. Doesn't do that much. I know he's a drop the mitts type of guy and, and he's an unbelievable fighter and I get it. I get it. But you know, does it regular season fun? Perhaps I still look at that group though. And I say, who's going to play goal and who's going to stop the, the puck from getting to the goal. Right. That, that's what I say. And what's going to happen with Nylander? That's the other thing. So you ask me these, these questions. Man, I, I, I can talk too long at times. But we still have a long way to go, guys, before the season. Right. A long way. Kind of kind of um, going off the drop the mitts part with Ryan Reeves. Um, Ryan Reeves and Milan Lucic haven't fought at all in their entire careers. Hmm. Do you kind of – what do you think about the Milan Lucic signing? Um, how is it going to help the Bruins and – does it increase the toughness of that bottom six that was that we saw lacking in the playoffs? Because I know there's a lot of banter between his game being slow now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not the same player as he used to be. But I, I feel like even with those statements being true, he still addresses some parts of a lineup that was lacking. I Look, you can't deny that Milan doesn't have presence. You know, he's just a, a, a man mountain. He backs it up if you if given the opportunity, you know that's that's going to be the hard part, Mike. He's not going to be given the opportunity that much, right? Who in their right mind now? Because fighting barely happens, and unless you're a young kid coming up or a guy like Reeves, it's you know I haven't even gone down that road that that the the hockeyfights.com rabbit hole of have they fought, you know? And right. and I appreciate you doing that. I will though check your work before I go on the air in late September to make sure it's accurate, Mike. uh, (laughs) Please do. But, you know, I can't see how they don't end up squaring up. I mean, just for the, I mean, these are the, these are the ultimate battleships in the game right now. Um, Does he address overall toughness? He does. If he's, if he can get his, if he can get his pace going to where it needs to be and he can become the freight train, 
And knowing that any defenseman, I don't care if it's a first pair, third pair guy that has the possibility of being run over by him. I think he can absolutely help the Bruins. Can he do it enough? I don't know. That's what time will tell. Look, he, I'm paraphrasing his words. He he admitted he's not the same player that he he used to be. So let's see what he is. Um, I, I can appreciate the signing. The, I, I love the passion for the player wanting to come back. I do think there's some, I think it's, you know, I'm always preaching to the kids that I coach have pride in the Jersey you're wearing. Cause you can go play for all these, you know, spring league and summer team bullshit. And you can feel, you know, satisfy your need to win a, this a trophy and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But when you're playing for us seven or eight months a year on your real team, you play for this Jersey, not for yourself. That's the message that I, try to impart on the kids all the time so you know what i'd be a hypocrite if i didn't say well you know what milan lucic wants to wear this jersey and there's something to be said for that i mean really said for that the pride in the the jersey and um that is important now they already have a couple of other guys that are really like that and i think most players that end up wearing the spoke b genuinely love it but he has a different relationship with the with the sweater in the city than most other people do, given what he went through here. So in that regard, I like it. I hope it works well for him and for the team because that's going to make it more fun for all of us. Right, right. Yeah, as you can see, I was pretty excited for it. I still have the there old Lucci jersey behind me so I could bust that back out of the closet. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like it's like a boy's large over there. Did you get that when you were nine? <laughs> <laughs> It needs some readjusting size-wise, but I'll still be wearing it. Yeah. It's going to fit your – It's yeah, you're going to wear it as a tank top soon, you know. <laughs> you know neck uh, tank top, yeah. yeah. Jeez. So, um, Billy, I know you had a lot of involvement with um, the NCAA too, mm-hmm. uh, Division One hockey. Um, I have to ask, do you have a way too early uh, Hobie, Baber, Hobie Baker pick for this year in a – Yes. Who who do you think uh, national championship? I got to ask you. Oh my God, I haven't because of this whole transfer portal stuff and everything. I I I haven't even I haven't even started looking at anything or right. reading a single thing. Um, I can't tell you who went where, who's here, who's there. I truthfully, Chris, I used to be involved a lot more in the NCAA. Nesson used to broadcast a lot more. They used to self-produce a lot more of their own games. And in the last two, three, four years, maybe now, they've gone to a different production, whether it's an outside production crew, Hockey East works in conjunction with somebody, or some universities, for instance, uh, Lowell, Northeastern, promote their their own games, right? Produce their own games. So I don't work many of those anymore. I I used used to work a fair amount of games for Nesson, in addition to Beanpod and Hockey's Championships. And then I would also hit up, ESPN and do a regional for them in their national championships. But it's been a few years now, bud, and I don't do it. So so I don't start my look-see into it until pretty much October when or September when we start getting, you know, hockey East stuff. So, um, you know, BC and BU are both going to be loaded with young talent. Loaded, right? It's going to be awesome. But that doesn't mean they're going to be that good. I think they'll be good. But they're going to win game 7-5, 7-6, which – Okay, it's fun, but when it's all cut, said and done, it comes down to the the playoffs and 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 you know three two games four two three two. I don't know how that'll be. Young teams don't always do well. Michigan last year did well; they made it far, but right, and then they just they had an unbelievable team. Uh, how, are they going to be as good this year? I, I can't see it. Even if they if they you know they recruit and they bring in other blue chips in, but I mean you're talking about Fantilli and Hughes leaving there. Right. So just can't imagine. So I need to take a look at which team has the most 23 year old juniors that has a, a guys that play mature hockey that play disciplined hockey and that have physically developed more. And I'll tell you what, I'd probably take one of those teams. Awesome. Yeah. Billy kind of transitioning a little bit, but I know you worked during the, uh, the COVID years, those terrible mm-hmm. years, COVID, how, how hard was it to kind of maintain, you know, a level of professionalism working from uh, abroad, I want to say, work, working away from the studio? Was it difficult to kind of keep yourself engaged in the mentality of, of being ready every night for Bruins hockey? Well, 
we, when the Bruins came back, um, we were we were able to go in studio. So that was good. That was, I mean, we did some stuff like the rest of the world, right from home. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of NHL Network stuff from home. It was the the best of a bad situation, right, Mike? Like we all, it it, you know, the 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 money, uh, <laughs> you know, spigot turned off <laughs> for a long time for many people, not just me, but you know, we weren't doing games and everything. And what were we going to do? Um, Nesson was great. They, they, they were, they were great to, to, to work with and did everything they could. And the games come back and we're working and that, what was it? I mean, you know, we had, we were six to eight feet apart. We weren't allowed to sit near each other, so to speak. And, and, and even when we were watching the games, it was one person eight feet to my left and one eight to my right. And in theory, and if, and if somebody encroached, it was, Oh my God, the world, you know, stop, you know, and, and, I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying right. that was weird. You know, like, right. you know, it's, we didn't know what the F was going on. Nobody did. Right. Nobody did. So we all did what we had to do. Um, we eventually got back into the arena and they had glass partitions in between us. <laughs> you know, things can still travel over the glass as much as, but it, it was, it, it, Mikey, we did what we could, had to do. That, that's what it was. No, it wasn't hard. You know, you know why? Because um, it gave you something to do. You were back doing what you love to do. And, you know, it's always better to be in the game. It's always better to be at the arena to see it. But we couldn't, so we did the best that, that we could do. I have really no argument about that. No complaints whatsoever. No, I'm not going not, not to even complain. I'm not going to whine and say, oh, it was hard. I was watching everything on TV. So what? The players had no fans in the stands. They had no energy in the building, and they still yeah. did it, right? We all we all did what we had to do. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, well, yeah. yeah so yeah. one last thing I want to uh, talk to you about, Billy. Um, I want I want to talk to you about your involvement with youth hockey in the in mm-hmm. the area. Um, just your involvement. What types of things you're trying to do to grow the game at the youth level? Um, so I just wanted to talk to you about that, and um, you know, if you wanted to get anything out for the for our listeners out there yeah i've just been involved with you know i have a son who plays my daughter doesn't she's got a beautiful voice and she sings and that's her specialty and she loves that end of it and so she never wanted to play hockey okay my son at first didn't and then loved it fell in love with it so uh long story short um eventually moving to boston and a buddy of mine runs an organization here and he got me involved with it. At first, I wasn't planning on coaching. I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't want to coach. Um, if only because my son and I have a very intense father-son relationship, you know. And, and I just felt it would be better to not have to be the guy coaching. Uh, my, my buddy, I think it was late July, called me up one day and said, hey, uh, yeah, you're going to have to coach the team. I'm like, what? What? And he says, yeah, you're coaching. I said, how am I going to make all it? You know, how am I going to be there? And he goes, oh, don't worry. You have some great assistants and you'll love it. I said, it's not worth, I'm not worried about I'm not going to love it. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about that. I'm not going to be able to do it enough, do it, you know, the, the level the kids deserve. And also I hope I have a relationship with my child by the end of it, you know, because um, right. I'm, 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 I'm not always the most calm and whatever, you know, and I think if you're going to do something, do it the right way. Do it your best of your ability the right way. So anyway, so I've been involved with the Boston Junior Eagles since my son was seven. He's now, this will be our seventh year, I think, turning 13, or he's 13 already. So it's either six, seven, I think it's seven, seventh season coming up. Um, And, you know, I just, look, I'm, I'm not some kind of, uh, I'm a passionate hockey person who happens to have a child that plays and I love teaching the game. I do, whether it's to the kids or adults, I teach an adult camp every year. I do uh, the Billy Jaffe warrior arena, you know, ice, or ice arena hockey, adult hockey camp. It's an awesome week. Still got a few spots left by the way, end of August. If anybody's interested, it's a great time. Um, and this is the way I, you know, we treat, I treat the kids. I, I call it, you know, play like the pros with, 
a very big caveat that they're they were seven and now they're just 13. But treat it, treat them with the respect that, you know, that they want, that they, that they don't even know it and treat them with the expectations, you know, that they should have for themselves. And um, we have a, an amazing group. Uh, we've really seen them grow as kids, most importantly, and as hockey players, second. And, you know, we, I think we won literally one game. No, no BS. I think one game the first year. And now the team's winning. But, you know, the last two years have been, you know, last year was a dream season. Accomplishing-wise, goal-setting-wise. Um, most importantly, though, they were just unbelievable kids. We didn't have really any issues, you know, and, and that's, we're lucky in that regard. You know, we don't, we have an, an, the old no bullshit zone around the team and been real fortunate, but every year is different with youth every year. Who knows what this coming season is, is going to bring. I don't know. We could be awesome again. We could be 500. And if we're 500, who cares? Who cares? That's the way to be. So, I mean, I believe in, I believe in the kids having high level expectations. We have it for them. They should have it for themselves. We, as a, as a coaching staff believe that it's okay to push them to be very uncomfortable. It's okay to let them know when they're wrong or when they're bad or when they haven't fulfilled. And it's also okay to tell them, look, I'm ticked off, but I still love you. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I tell the kids from day one, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to give it to you. I still love you. I'm never going to be mad, you know, at you, but I'm going to be upset with you. I'm going to be, I'm going to want to know why. And to help you figure out the why. So it all, it, you know, this sounds a little too Tony Little or Tony Robbins. I mean, I'm not trying to go there, but just saying like, this is how we, 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 we treat them. I, I try and, Teach, we try and teach them systems so they're thinking, not so they're winning. It's just so so whenever they go and when they become high school players, they can say, "Oh yeah, I know what I know what that four check is. I know how to handle this back. I know I know what you know." And we try and bring them to as high level as possible, and it's great. It's been very 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 gratifying. I will tell you this though, guys, it gets harder and harder and harder to do as the kids get older. The uh, responsibilities get more, but also just the, the my job requirements don't allow for, you know, a lot of stuff right. to happen. Right. So, but no, I love teaching hockey and I love having fun with it. It's great. I mean, it's it's been great. Like I said, last year, Chris was an incredibly gratifying year for the kids, for the coaches, and and for all the families that we had. Aside aside from the the you know teaching systems and you know teaching them all the ins and outs of the game. What are some values that you try to instill in these kids that they can use, um, you know, during their teenage years and even that they can bring with them um, to for um, their life? Respect, obviously, you know, we, you know, you're not yelling at a coach ever. You're not yelling at an official. You know, you do your sitting. Uh, you're not yelling at your parent. You're not, not, not at the rink. Not, you're just not like, that's not right. tolerable. Um we try to have a, you know, handshake and hello type thing all the time. If we can, I'm not going to say it happens every time, but try to have that. But respect is huge. Preparation is huge. You know, I give them, we give them uh, one lost, one forgot, forgotten item. Uh, you're on probation. You forget your glove one game. Well, okay. Don't tell me it's your mom's fault, your dad's fault. Who's supposed to pack your bag? I don't, even if they pack it. You, you get your ass up and you check your back and you don't have it. You get one. The next game, you don't play for the whole first period. You don't. Um, we came close, but we didn't. We had a handful of probationary players last year. And they got to the point where they, would, they wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, they'd be asking another, you have a sock, you have something like that. Um, but we, we, we try and treat them that. Um, but, you know, the old, there's also a cliche and, um, you know, will and structure will beat skill. And that's what we try and tell them. I mean, you know, not everybody, there's very few best players, very few. And, and <laughs> you know, every kid on my team watches, every kid in the whole league that we play in, in the Eastern Hockey Federation, every, what do they watch in the morning, guys? NHL Network, right? The highlights. The highlights. And what are they seeing on the highlights? The highlights. They're seeing six, four percent of the game, three percent of the game. They're not seeing the other ninety-seven percent of the game, yeah. right? So, execution and structure, you know, and will will beat that fancy stuff. And 
that's what we're trying to teach them too. And so it's the same thing in life. Like you're all not going to be fancy, whatever, you know, but you all can be incredibly successful people by being prepared and by having the work ethic, the will that's, and, and, you know, and, and we try to use real life examples for our kids and but they're old enough now, 13, they, they're, they're, they're starting to get it. They're really, really a great group of kids. So we've been very fortunate in that regard. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Mikey, you got a, uh, you got anything? I got, I got nothing else, Billy. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's, it's a pleasure having you on. Um, we've been watching you forever on Ness and, you know, NHL network. I can still remember, you know, getting up from middle school, going downstairs. I used to put uh, DVDs across the, the little ticker on the bottom. So I didn't see, it didn't spoil the scores. didn't oh. spoil. Yeah. But, but that's, you know. that's a, that's a little, that's a smart move. It's a little OCD, but it's smart. It's, it's, <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. But, yeah, it, Billy, it's been a pleasure, and I, we can't thank you enough. Yeah, there Billy, I, honestly, I just want to, you know, thank you again um, for being such a huge advocate for the uh, Stop Soldier Suicide fundraiser. Um, this was an unreal interview. You were our first person we've ever interviewed yeah, as, a, as a team. So this was unbelievable, and I, I just want to really thank you. Well, you guys are welcome. It's a it's a pleasure for me to come on. You caught me at a good time with the not doing much right now. A couple of more weeks with the with with the hip, and uh, uh, hopefully be ready enough. I'm supposed to head over to Europe actually to coach a team. Uh, my son will play on, and then in two and a half weeks or so. So I'm hoping to be all set for that. But to be able to sit and talk hockey is great. I appreciate you having me on. And as I like to say again, it's just hockey. If we can't sit down, bullshit, have a beer talk about it, then what good is it? Because, you know, it's, yes, it's our passion and yes, it's some of our livelihoods, but it's just a game. It's an important game to us, but if you can't have fun with it, you can't, you know, do this kind of stuff, then uh, what good is it? Sir. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, everyone here at BNG, we wish you a speedy recovery and uh, we look forward to hearing you uh, during the season. Well, we're waiting for our schedule to come out with regard to which preseason games we'll do. But we know, well, actually, we know that the first game is a TNT game already. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to speak out of turn here, but I'm going to guess because they're playing the Blackhawks in the first game. And so that, you know, Bedard will get, I think Bedard gets the playoff. Uh, I'm sorry, the national game, both Tuesday, his opening night against Pitt and then the Bruins. I'm going to guess. Just a guess. I know nothing. Literally, no. I'm going to guess that we'll do a full pre and post game around opening night. On I, thought the, I sure I thought, hope so. I thought the TNT would be about the uh, Taylor Hall revenge game, but I guess <laughs> Bernard got drafted there, so it could be that. Taylor team. Hall, Nick Felino coming Foligno. back against, yeah, yeah. and some <laughs> guy named Bedard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you again, Billy. Yeah, thank you, Billy. All right, guys. Have a great end of the summer. Take care. Take care.